You're listening to a Soul Fire Productions podcast. Hi, hi, hi. Okay, so today's just interesting. I don't usually come on here in a mood. And here's the thing. Here's what happened. Full transparency, because y'all know that's what I'm here for. I was having a really hard day slash nine days in a row. And the day that Allegra and I recorded this, I'm going to tell you about today's guest in a second. She's fucking epic. But I want to give you this context. The day that we plan to record this, I was not in a good place and I was feeling a lot of anger and fear and I was just in it. And the old me really wanted to cancel because I felt like if I don't show up happy and inspiring and as my friend calls me Kelly online, then you guys won't like it. And What I realized is that the best way for me to be of service is to be genuine and authentic and show up fully as I am. And so I decided that I was going to do this show and have this conversation and it was going to be whatever it was that came up. And I was going to show up in the energy that I was in without trying to do something or be something else. And here's what happened. Allegra met me. Allegra was also struggling. And as she says in the beginning of this episode was like, I just kind of felt like I needed to cry. Like haven't cried in a while. There's some stuff going on in my business that's uncomfortable and I'm having a moment too. And so we met each other and neither of us tried to be anything else. And wow, wow, wow. Was I blown away at the beautiful conversation that came forward that was so raw and true to where we were. We weren't trying to put on a show. We literally had no idea where the conversation was going to go. And it organically became amazing. And I came out of it feeling so free and so proud of myself for honoring where I was. I believe I am a leader. I know I'm a leader and I want to lead by example. And maybe this is the permission permission slip (laughs) that you needed to just show up however the fuck you are without trying, without trying to fix yourself, change, be something else. So Allegra Brantley, let me tell you about this woman. I met her in Austin on New Year's Eve. And we just got to talking and I immediately thought, I really, really love this woman. She is fun and bubbly, curious and interesting and just has a vibe I want to be around. I love her energy and I love what she's about. And she said to me, my mission in this world is to get one million women to a million dollars in net worth. And I was like, you're my people. Let's be friends. So now she is in my sisterhood circle and we are obsessed with each other, as you will be able to tell in this conversation. I love everything she's about. 
We barely talk about money in this conversation, which is hilarious. We get to it at the end, so make sure you stay tuned. But we get into childhood stuff, attachment, identity, parental experiences, relationships, uh, our relationships with alcohol. And gosh, we get into so much. I don't even want to spoil it. So Allegra Brantley, love this woman. She created Factora Wealth. She is all about empowering women to navigate their own way and be in control of their own finances and ask better questions. And she's woo-woo as fuck, and I'm here for it. So let's get into this one with my girl. I truly believe that there has never been a better time to be alive in America as a woman. We have so much autonomy, ability, creative freedom, entrepreneurial access. I mean, you can go on to LegalZoom with an idea and a few hundred dollars later have an LLC and start that. You can't do that in so many countries. As a, as a person, it's hard to start businesses. As a woman, it's often not going to happen in your lifetime. And we can do that and create additional prosperity, economic value. The same goes for being an investor today. You used to have to call up your freaking financial advisor, which you only had if you were already rich. Now I can go online with $10 and as a retail investor, pick really safe, accessible funds and be investing in 10 minutes. And everyone wants to complain that it's so hard. It's not viable. What was me? The biggest lesson that I've ever had in my life that's been so significant to me is self-responsibility because I did not take that shit for a long time. I was like, I went to college. Why am I not earning more? I, you know, was good in school or I was a good daughter. or I was a good person. Why isn't the world bestowing more on me? Until I finally had a light bulb moment that it's not the world's job to create my life. It's mine. And that flipped everything for me. And I wish more people could have that awakening moment because damn, does it feel good to say I am a product of my own decisions instead of making everyone else responsible for your life. I would like to preface this with you and I are both in kind of a mood today. Um, (laughs) You asked me how I was and I said really fucking shitty. And then you said I should probably cry. Um, And so we are both starting this conversation from this place. And I wanted to start recording where you started because this is what I would like to respond back with. I am so fucking tired of all the bitching and complaining and whining. I'm so tired. Why do we, as a society, believe that being a victim and perpetuating that is the way we are meant to live? And why are we continuing to teach everyone else to play the victim? And as you said, woe is me. Everything's happening to me. Uh. And when are we going to take fucking responsibility for ourselves and the energy with which we enter the world and that which is given back to us. Here, here, because that's exactly what it is. It's an energy shift from, from having a constant like blame on others to actually reflecting, what am I doing with my time, with my belief system? If I'm constantly negative, I'm only attracting more negative. And I know that that's not that intuitive for people who are really in a hole. I get that. 
probably best recommendation I can make is the really cheesy movie, The Secret. I will never forget my best friend, shout out Mary, calling me in college being like, you got to turn on this documentary, ignore the visuals. It just changed my life. And I was like, what? This is a very weird call for her. She's just not really a woo whatsoever. And so I watched it. I still watch that documentary probably every six to nine year is the longest it goes without pulling out a journal, watching it again for the golden nuggets. But the whole thing is talking about energy. If you're going to put negative energy in the world, I guess what? It's going to attract more negative energy to you. And I had so many years where I just felt like a victim for all of my circumstances. Like, why doesn't my family have more money? Why don't I have more you know, visibility? Why don't I have this, that, and the other thing until... I was like, oh, maybe if I start focusing on positive stuff, even if it's just a little piece at a time, boom, there you go. You attract more positivity. And now I can't see it otherwise. When I see, when I see people saying they can't do something, I just think limiting belief. And I can't fix all of those limiting beliefs, but I can spot it now. And I can see that person has a fixed mindset and I am looking to surround myself with growth mindset and Mindsetted? I don't know if that's a word, but people with growth mindsets, people who think that there is no limit to what they can believe and therefore achieve. You, what you think about, I truly believe you bring about. That's goals, right? We know that if someone writes down a goal and says, I want this, just the act of writing it down is far more um, enticing for that to be brought into your life because you made a physical statement. Then call up three friends and tell them. And then text one and say, be my accountability partner and check in with me on this goal weekly so that I feel shitty if I'm not advancing towards it. And then suddenly the goal happens. And once you prove that you can do one goal, then you can do another. And that is where I truly believe self-confidence is made. We think self-confidence comes from others. No, self-confidence is literally trusting ourselves. We should have the best relationship and the most trusting one with ourselves. If you say you're going to do it, if you put it on your calendar, if you say it's a goal that you want to crush, you continue to work towards it. We're the only ones getting in our own ways on most of the occasion. And I'm just a little fire ant today. Girl, I am fucking here for it. I was like, I really, I'm really looking forward to being with Allegra. I don't know if she, what she's going to feel about my energy. And then you just fucking matched it. Okay. <laughs> I had this realization this weekend and it fits into this because, you know, I'm, I'm complaining about whiners. Right. And I, I go there. Like we all go there. It's the awareness of calling ourselves out on our own bullshit. So I don't want to act like I'm like holier than thou by any means. I just see it this weekend. So I've been like spiraling in abandonment issues. Um, and you know a little bit about this. Lost both my parents last year and I feel like I have just been abandoned. And so I have been holding on so hard to Connor and at the same time pushing him away. I am so scared he's going to leave me. So I keep recreating scenarios and projecting, projecting shit onto him and putting energy out that he is going to leave me. And so he finally called me out and was like, okay, first of all, I'm not going to leave you. I don't want to leave you. I love you. I choose you. I'm here. But you keep putting out this energy and you keep talking about this so much. What the fuck do you think you're going to do? Like, what do you think is going to happen? 
And I was like, oh, well, you're going to leave me, which is just going to confirm my belief that you're going to leave me. And I will have created the dynamic to have made this happen. And I will feel like, see, I was right. I was right. And that's what we want. We so desperately want to be right about our own bullshit that we keep making the bullshit happen. So we can sit there and be like, see, I know. I, first of all, I can relate to so much with the abandonment issues. I have, I mean, my husband says all the time, like, bring that one up with your therapist, because I really, I I do, even though um, both my parents are still alive, I'm not very connected to them. I mean, I love them, but I don't feel like they're the most supportive to me. And it, and, you know, it is a painful thing that I struggle with. Um, and something I definitely am looking forward to having a family and changing the dynamic of, and that's probably so obvious, right? We either want to copy what we liked or <laughs> just do the opposite of what we didn't like. But I definitely want my kids to feel like I'm here, whatever you're interested in, I'm going to be your mirror, like go for it. it. It didn't feel like that in my experience growing up. But to your other point, like when you're absolutely so scared of something and it's so raw to you, of course you do the intuitive thing, which is like create more of it. And so it's the self-fulfilling prophecy situation that nobody wants to end up in. But again, whatever we think about, we bring about. So if we're constantly thinking, projecting, having the energy of that thing, we are likely leading ourselves down that path. And it's also interesting to me because I think that humans have almost progressed into this digital world definitely faster than is safe for us because we, we have, I struggle. And I think a lot of other people struggle to really stay connected with self because it's so much easier in a moment of boredom to get online, see what someone else is doing, like literally not sit in stillness ever to even figure out what you were doing. Like Connor had to say it to you, you know, Mm -hmm. like you couldn't see it because we are crazy in our brains. We're like trying to rationalize stuff all the time or mute it because it's too much and it feels heavy. I think the moment I really had to reckon with that was, I don't know if I told you this, but I had a bad relationship. 30 years old. I looked at my boyfriend at the time, broke up with him on my 30th birthday because I was just like, who am I kidding? Wow. I'm trying to force something that is so toxic. But, you know, he was older. He was English. I was I was into the ego of it, if I'm being perfectly honest. And I would think to myself, wow, if we get married, I know we're getting divorced. And that is something I really don't want. But I'm I'm like too far in slash I'm exhausted of just fighting with him. I'd rather just like get to the next level and maybe it'll be better. You know, that thing I think a lot of people tell themselves. But fortunately, I had a moment of clarity, broke up with him via text. Literally, he was cussing me out and calling calling and calling. And I was just like, I don't even think you're worth answering the phone for anymore. Like this is so over for me. It's so clear now. But then I stopped drinking for 13 months. And I had to sit in my shit. Especially because my parents, another dynamic is there's alcohol on both sides. And so I've always been really concerned. What if I'm an alcoholic? Like, I really don't want to be that. And so Anyways, I just took a break for over a year and face planted sugar. Apparently, if you're not getting it from your drinks, you need it from the cupcake shop. 
it's honestly embarrassing in New York. The only place on my block that knew me my name was the fucking bakery. But anyways, I had to actually sit with all my shit and be like, I would, I got into that bad relationship. I, 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 this was me that attracted that person, that toxicity, that level of disrespect into my life. And so what am I going to do differently? And it was because I, it's not just that I wasn't drinking. I think a byproduct of not drinking is I was nervous about being out with friends and doing my normal life. So like, I really just found a lot of stillness and a lot of solo time, did a lot of crying, a lot of journaling, which is why I love crying and journaling. And that's why I said, I think I, <laughs> I could go for a good cry. It's been a while. Um, and I had to choose something different. And you're probably at a moment where you're like, okay, now that this has been pointed out to me, I have to choose different behaviors. Yes, 100%. And I feel like crap because in that, there's shedding and new choices, shedding and new choices. And within that, lots of awarenesses and aha moments that are happening. And I feel really fucking uncomfortable. Like I want to crawl out of my skin today. And I'm like, I've been on the verge of tears for over a week. It's just, it feels constant. And I was telling you before we started recording, I feel nauseous and I, my stomach hurts and I am just like, Oh my God. Because when you choose to live a new way, when you choose to take responsibility and you choose to make new choices for yourself from a conscious place of personal responsibility, that asks something new of you. And it may be asking something new of you that you've never seen before or accessed before. And as much as I teach on this and share this, and I feel like I am very much a leader in this space, I am still in my process. And there are things that, you know, I dig and dig and dig and dig, and there's still more being revealed all the time because I'm in a new scenario or a new relationship and something's coming forward that I couldn't see before because it didn't look the way I needed it to look so that I could see it, if that makes sense. And so yeah. now it's coming forward in a new way. And it's like, fuck, this shit is uncomfortable, but I wouldn't have it any other way. I would still choose to be with myself and see all of this discomfort and abandonment and daddy issues and sadness and anger. Like, I feel really fucking angry today. I'm sure everyone can hear that in my voice. And I am also okay with that because I know that if I don't address it and I don't allow it to move through me, I'm just going to keep reverting back to the old patterns. I'm just going to keep being a dick who projects my stuff onto someone else who makes people leave her so that she feels right and smart. And I choose to not be that version of me anymore. I think that growth is painful and so worth it. And that the only way to be an example to someone else is to be an example to yourself. I think too many people are like, oh, I'm already an expert in something. I am so careful to never say I'm a financial expert. I have some expertise in the different things that I've done, but it is a huge category. And I'm building wealth with women, just like you are shedding and creating anew with the people who are in your audience. And I think that that is so much more um, legitimate than people are like, I've done it all. I'm good. So I'd rather listen to someone like you being like, today is fucking shitty. I feel nauseous. I am having physical reactions to my emotional state and I'm trying to cope with it. 
because I'm like, that's honest as fuck. And people just aren't that honest. They're too afraid to lose their um, expert status by saying, I don't have all the answers. I love that about you. I don't think I've ever complimented you on that, but I hear you do it all the time. You're very like, no, I don't have all the answers. Here's where I'm at. And I would love more people to emulate you. Thank you. Listeners and friends. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay to have, it's okay to have several moments of not even moments, days. You just said I'm having a week. It's been a week of being on the verge of tears. That's fair. That's valid. That's fine. You're also sitting here saying I'm willing to shed old patterns. And because I haven't done that before, I'm still trying to figure out how to do it. Yep. I respect you for that very much. <sighs> Thank you. That means a lot to me. I, um, I just feel like if we ever get to the point where we think we have all the answers, we're missing the point. Like this is a journey until you die. And then what I believe into the next life, and then you reincarnate and you take that and you choose what lessons you're going to do in that life. And then you do it all over again in a different way. And I just like, what's the point if we're not on in this experience fully and allowing ourselves to learn and grow. I think one of the things that I really like about myself is that I'm willing to be wrong. I'm willing to admit that I'm wrong or that I don't know and apologize. And I never did that before because in my family, it was so important to be right. I mean, my mom has passed. I don't want to sit here and talk shit on her, but she was such a fucking bitch and was so mean because she needed to be right. And all she cared about was arguing and making you look stupid so that she could be right. And that's her own childhood wounding. And I understand like where abuse creates that dynamic, but that's what I grew up in was everyone needed to be right. And we had to put on a pretty face and make everyone believe that we had our shit together and everything was great. When in reality, it was a shit show. And for me, I cowered and I also perpetuated my own way of being in that I have to be right too. And I have to be the best and I have to be better than you, not just the best in general, but I have to beat you and make you look bad because that makes me more valid and more important. And I never apologized as much as I was a people pleaser. Apologizing for me wasn't a thing because it made me feel like I was out of control and I was wrong. And it, I literally did not start apologizing until I started dating Connor and he called me out. Because, you know, I was being such a bitch to him. And he was like, like, what, like, what is this? And I finally was like, oh, wow, there's a thing called apologizing that I have not worked that muscle yet. And so I'm going to start trying. And then I went a little too far and I apologize for everything. So I've like reined it back in. So I like found a happy medium. So I'm not apologizing 24 seven. But it's just like, it's not important to be right. And I don't even really believe in right or wrong, but I do believe in the way we project our shit on other people. And I do believe the way we just perpetuate the idea of being a victim and everything happens to me. If you can shift the narrative of this is happening for me, I feel angry today and it's happening for me because there's something moving through me. And then I know that I will come out of this with energy and clarity and all the things that I desire, but I'm not, I don't want to put that on someone else to fix it for me or to blame them for, because then what kind of power do I have? I have none. I just gave my power away to someone else. I love that tweak so much. This isn't happening to me. This is happening for me. What a simple switch to actually go one more level and think, 
okay, since this isn't happening to me, since I want to believe it's happening for me, what might I learn from this? What do I not know that through this experience, I'm going to take with me into the next experience? Um, I know I've recommended you the book, Happy Pocket Full of Money. Oh, I read it. Girl, everyone read the fucking book. Just read it. Read the book. It is my Bible. I, I stepped up from the secret to happy pockets. It's literally like a core value. I just call it happy pockets and the people who've read it, they understand it. Um, and it's, it's super woo woo, but I absolutely love it. And one of the parts in the book that I found so mesmerizing and just interesting because I'd never thought like this is, so if you believe in a soul, which I think a lot of people do, but you may think of it like kind of like a floaty thing that maybe trails behind you. The book flips it so that like soul first and then your bag of bones body is trailing behind. And your soul is the thing that's connected to the energy that is the source that we're all a part of. Like if you were to zoom way, way up, you know, into the ether and look down, it'd just be a, like one light, like one hum. We're all one. And one, I, I even think just that kind of thinking is really beautiful and interesting because like why spend hate disliking someone who's technically a part of me like everything around me is a part of me nature my house my family my friends this city this community really really cool but then the other thing I loved is like if your soul is the one having all the experiences before your body even gets there it literally gives you an opportunity to say every present moment is an opportunity that is showing me how I've been from the past till now, and I can change the future present moments. And I think too many people think like, I'm stuck, or this is where it is. And now I'm like, no, no, no. Just that one little change not happening to me, but happening for me means I have the ability to evolve into the next moment and like how I show up there even better. Mm. Yes. I think too, I struggle with this sometimes. I'm like definitely a tough love kind of gal. Anyone who listens to my show is like, yeah, Kelly fucking dishes it. And sometimes it's really, most of the time it's really uncomfortable. You know, I have a segment called tough love with Allegra. Yes. I remember you telling me that. So because, because my team is basically like, you get so heated and fiery about topics. You should just share them with people. And I was like, ah, well, if I'm, if I'm mean, I'm going to get a lot of hate. And now I'm like, whatever, I'd rather say how I feel and be polarizing and I don't need to be your cup of tea, than keep it on reserve. So I, I hear you with the tough love. Yeah, I just. So there's tough love and there's being coddled. I feel like I was coddled my whole life and I was the princess. I didn't have to do any chores. I did no wrong. I never got punished. I ran my household like the queen bitch that I was. And that created a dynamic where I never learned to apologize or wash my own clothes or clean my room or take responsibility for anything because everyone was always doing something to me. If something went wrong, it was someone doing something to me. That girl's mean. Her parents suck. Blah, blah, blah. Like that's what I learned from my parents. And so there's like this idea of being coddled and then there's the idea of tough love. And I fall in this. I really want to be held because I didn't feel like I had emotionally available parents. So it's really important to me to feel seen and held for who I really am, not like the facade that I would love for people to see. The thing that I, I struggle with, and I don't even know if this makes any sense. I'm on one today is 
I believe in being held, especially in the feminine of like, I love you for where you are and you're okay and you're doing a great job. But I also feel like if we do not infuse this tough love and real honesty and sense of self-responsibility and awareness that this being held is not enough. It's like, yeah, hold me and I am doing a good job. But if I never make the tweak to have the awareness that I am responsible for my experience, then it just feels like another version of coddling and like, woe is me. Does that make sense? It does. It's kind of, it's kind of, well, the way I'm interpreting it is there's almost like a spectrum from coddle to tough love and held is almost in the middle. But if you're held and coddled, then you're not taking responsibility. If you're held and you have tough love, then you are. So it's better to be over here because coddled isn't going to get you anywhere. If people do things for you and you don't have to take any self-responsibility, life's going to be tough. (laughs) And I've also had a lot of that. Um, But the held part, what I think is so interesting is like, we have to hold ourselves first. And that's really hard to do. I found that so hard to do. I, one time, I'm not like a big, um, social media person. But I was writing like a little love ode to my now husband when we were boyfriend and girlfriend. And it just flew through my fingertips. And I felt like it was the best way I'd ever been able to say it. After going through that bad relationship and the 13 months sober and like sitting and thinking and dealing and crying and going through a lot of shit, I finally decided, like stake in the ground, I'm going to love myself more. And that was shocking of a realization. I mean, I knew I was mean to myself. I I definitely had a lot of internal bad commentary to like everything about me, personality, body, all of it. But then you have to do it, right? And that is even harder than making the choice. But I know 100%, and this is what I ended up writing when I wrote him this little love ode, is that the only reason I have this person in my life is because I finally loved me enough that someone else could come along and love me too. Mm. Because otherwise, I don't know how easy it is if the person, if one person in the relationship doesn't have enough self-respect and and care and love and like ability to hold themselves. How can you even let someone else do it? And I think there's gradients of this. I don't think I had a lot of it when he came around, but I don't think I would have been able to even see him as a viable, wonderful person if I hadn't started being more like loving towards myself. I love that because it's, I don't believe that honesty and tough love and responsibility is about beating yourself up. I actually, I believe that it's taking care of yourself in a way you never have. It's letting yourself see you at your core in your truth, wherever you are in that at the moment. And honoring that, like, oh, like I was saying, I'm being codependent with Connor because I'm so scared I'm going to be abandoned that I'm creating dynamics where he will abandon me so that I can be right. I'm not beating myself up for that. I'm kind of annoyed at myself because I thought I had like come out of that. But I'm also in the middle of processing stuff with my parents. So it makes sense. And. I feel like rather than beating myself up, I'm holding myself in this process and experience knowing that it is uncomfortable and it is hard. And my little girl really wants to be held and taken care of right now because she's 
I can feel her inside of me panicking. I just feel it. That anxiety and that like chaos and that make it better, make it go away. And so I think that if we can hold ourselves in the responsibility with love and grace while also being really honest, that to me is the most beautiful blending of all of this experience. I'm not yelling at myself. I'm not getting angry at myself. I'm saying I feel all these things and they're valid. And I'm also taking responsibility for X, Y, Z because I see how all of this comes together. I couldn't agree more. I think maybe a better word than tough love, which I use that phrase all the time too, is more like honest love. Yeah. Being honest with where you're at. You used all the best H words. You were like being honest with myself, honoring where I'm at and holding my inner girl that and telling her it's okay because we are where we are, which is back to the honesty. Like this is where I'm at (laughs) and I have to just go from here. Oh man. That's a conversation right there. (laughs) God damn. I also think that the inner, inner girl stuff, inner child, which I I don't, I, I haven't had much experience other than I did a therapy session one time with um, a woman who literally asked me to close my eyes, go inside of myself and find my inner child and like tell her what she looked like and what she was doing. And she was like in a corner with her head in her hands crying. And then I was crying and it was like such an intense experience. That's the only kind of experience I've had like that, like going inside and seeing a version of myself. But as you're saying that, I'm just like, of course we have that. Like we have, we are an amalgamation of all of our experiences and all of the people in our life and how they've treated us and how we've treated ourselves. And then like, here we are as humans in a modern day world, trying to get all of the things society tells us they value, our family tells us they value, we think we value because we've like heard from society and our family um, and want to emulate what is around us. And it kind of goes back to that, that stillness, even having moments like that, where you try and dig deep and it feels so uncomfortable. I, I didn't even, I hadn't known this woman for like a day before we did this session. I was like, I am bawling and basically shaking. I am behaving like this little girl right now because I hadn't gone and visited her or thought about her or cared for her or like given her a hand to step up out of the corner and like hug her ever. So it was a really moving experience and when you kept saying like the holding the little, the little girl like that the inner version that's what I was thinking of whenever I am really struggling I go to Connor and I'm like I don't need you to fix this I know there's not an answer I need you to fucking hug me I need a hug I need to be held that's all I need there is no fixing this or making it better there is one clear need that I have Because when I am held, I am a physical touch person. So that's that part. But when I am held, I am literally held and seen and acknowledged for what I'm going through. And that is what I feel I lack so much in my childhood. And that little girl who played through all the pain and tried so hard to be perfect and worked and worked and worked herself into the ground and never felt like she was acknowledged the way she really needed to be. Because it was a constant pursuing of perfection and achievement in order to receive and earn love. And now in my adult self, I know 
I know conceptually that I don't need to earn love, but having those moments of really physically being held is what helps me transmute that and transform that energy and that past experience. So a quick interrupt here to talk about how I'm nourishing myself. I have big, big news. You've been hearing Allegra and I talk about sobriety and alcoholism in our families. And you all know that I am not drinking this year. I'm not drinking for so many reasons. But if we're being really honest, it's because I definitely had a drinking problem. And my relationship with alcohol over the last year, if not many, many years before, became extremely codependent and unhealthy. And I called myself on it and I realized it was not okay and that it was not in alignment with my values and in integrity with me. And I said, we're not doing this anymore. And guess what fucking happened? We got us a deal with an alcohol-free beverage company. And this is not one of those, oh yeah, this is my message. Sure, send me your product. Oh yeah, I'll talk about it. No, I'm obsessed with Groovy. Can we talk about them for a second? Groovy is a new line of craft alcohol-free beverages. So they have beer and wine and they're based out of Denver. Yay, local, family run. It was created by two siblings. I had a conversation with the sister, Annika, and Annika and I talked about sober sex or lack thereof, addiction, the conversation of pressure as a young person to drink, to fit in and to feel like we're cool. I mean, this was the best conversation and this is why I love this company. And I would do anything to shout them from the rooftops because they understand that this is bigger than just drinking a glass of wine or having a beer. This is a larger conversation of social pressure and feeling like we're not enough or needing to numb out and lineages of trauma and alcoholism that many of us deal with. And we choose to not continue that. I'm so excited to share Groovy with you. I've been drinking their beers all week. They came and dropped off a bunch of different kinds. The pale ale is my go-to. I also love golden. Um, I haven't tried the wines yet, just to be totally honest. But if it's anything like the beers and the level and standard with which they create their products, I know I'm going to love them. So here's the thing. They really want us to have the ability to make better choices in our daily lives where everyone can feel comfortable in social settings, regardless of what's in your cup. You don't have to be wasted in order to feel like you fit in a party. And that is something that I have learned and is really prevalent in my life right now. And it's something that I feel really strongly about teaching everyone. So they have so many different varieties of craft beers. They have IPAs, stouts, pale ales, lager, And they have Prosecco and a bubbly rosé. Their wines are gluten-free, sulfite-free, no added sugars, and only 50 calories. What? Like, this is amazing. It does not get better than this. They have Groovy in stores. So if you are in Colorado, uh, Arizona, and a few others, you can get them in stores there. But you can go online 
and have them shipped directly to you, which is so easy. And guess what? You're getting a discount because I love you. And I was like, we need to do all the partnerships together because my people are going to want this. And now that I've tried it, I know you're going to really want it. So you can go to getgroovy.com. That's G-E-T-G-R-U-V-I.com. Use the code Kelly T. You'll get 15% off online. This is for the U.S. Groovy is also available in Canada on well.ca. So if you're in Canada and you want to get the hookup, go to well.ca and you can get Groovy. You guys, I'm so grateful to be continuing this conversation around alcohol and how to empower yourself and have fun and enjoy your life without needing to be wasted and feel like you need to numb out. Thank you, Groovy. This is amazing. The other thing I want to talk about, as Allegra and I have been discussing therapy and inner child stuff and things that we encounter as children, therapy is so important to me. And it is honestly something I look forward to. Like I said, when I recorded this show, was having a rough week, rough, 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 rough week. I was at all the feels and all the tears and all the sadness, and it was uncomfortable. And I knew that I had therapy coming up. I had already scheduled it. I like to schedule preventative therapy, not when I have have a freak out and then I have to wait two weeks to get in. I schedule it two weeks before so I know that even if my therapist is busy, at least I have something on the calendar. And that's what I did, and I'm so grateful because being able to talk to Anna from BetterHelp is a game changer. She helps me say things out loud that I am scared to say to anyone else. She helps give me perspective for what's happening in my life. And she's an unbiased, non-judgmental person who holds space like a damn boss. And she's fucking so spiritual. I just want her to adopt me, really, is what it comes down to. She teaches me from A Course in Miracles, which I just bought, by the way, and I'm very excited. But she is just a really profound teacher and space holder. And I found that on a therapy website that's available at a really reasonable price. Honestly, that is what is so important is that it's affordable and accessible for so many people. So if you are looking for therapy, if you need some support, I highly recommend BetterHelp. Go to betterhelp.com slash Kelly. You'll get 10% off your first month. And I am telling you, it is so easy to find someone you love. And if you get matched with someone and you're like, "Mm, not my vibe, you can just switch therapists. How beautiful is that? And you won't hurt anyone's feelings. It's all set up so easily to navigate and to utilize. There are no excuses. I believe everyone should have a therapist. Get the help you need. Ask for help. Doesn't make you weak. It actually makes you stronger. All right, let's get back to Allegra. I don't know the name of it, but I'm pretty sure there's a hormone that's released. If you are belly to belly with someone for more than 20 seconds, Mm. Um, a friend of mine has a really cool company called Recalibrate where she goes into big corporations and teaches her executives kind of like modern day mindfulness. Because right, a lot of them are only going to be rooted in the science. 
but she teaches little stuff like that. And then like, here's the hormone that's going to get released and why it's worth it. But anyways, my husband and I do belly hugs whenever one of us are feeling stressed and we'll just stand there. We'll do at least five breaths, just holding each other. But then if one of us is like more, (laughs) we'll just keep going for a while. By the end of it, you can't help but feel this sensation of, of relaxation because literally another body's warmth and love and genuine care for you just as a person, not even necessarily as a partner. Like how many people do you hold that often, especially in COVID times? I think about this. I'm like, wow, you wouldn't get hugged last year. That's fucking terrible for society. Well, I mean, I feel like that's a huge contributor aside from losing your job and lack of financial stability and being stuck. The lack of physical connection and touch has to be a huge contributor to the suicide rates. I mean, I feel like I would lose my mind if I had been alone, like if I had been single during this experience and not had dogs and been able to be touched and be around people. I I don't know what I would have done. Like, it's really scary. I think about that, too. I. Yeah, it's like, okay, we thought technology was going to solve everything, doesn't solve human connection. If you can't, you know, like the friends of mine that are even trying to date on apps, it's like, okay, but you couldn't even meet up. Like, it's just I think about kids who haven't seen facial expressions in a year. We were just talking about that yesterday. Yes. It's horrendous. Like there's downstream effects that we can't even begin to imagine that are going to emerge from society being so pulled apart for such a long time. Yeah, we were talking about that yesterday, just how how much are kids going to be emotionally um, handicapped? Right. I feel like that's the right word for it. Handicapped in ways because they weren't able to see people's facial expressions and understand emotions. And those first, you know, three, four, five years are so critical in developing those abilities. What's going to happen? I'm sure um, Connor was like, well, they're with their parents and their parents aren't having masks on the whole time. I'm like, right. But there's a a learned behavior with strangers of knowing if someone's angry at you or if you got in their way or if they're happy and they're smiling, just like all these little things we don't think about because it's just what we did. And we've stripped that of them. I know. The answer is, We won't know until it starts to become more apparent. I also think about, do you have any gamers in your life? Like that play video games? Yes. We just got an Xbox last week, so I think Connor would consider himself a gamer now. (laughs) And and wait, just because I'm a little bit novice in this, Xbox is the one that you can play with other people. Yes. Okay, okay. So you could wear a mic and like talk to Randy. Oh yeah, he wants a mic because he's getting his ass kicked by all these little kids I'm sure that he's playing against. So now he wants to be able to have a microphone to talk to them. I'm like, you are a child. (laughs) Um, Okay, well, I think about this all the time. I'm like, there are so many people that are available playing these games. I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with these games. But I think that during COVID, when there was nothing else to do, People probably got even further into their virtual life. I mean, my little brother just graduated from college. He's 22. <laughs> he graduated online, you know, wow. like didn't go see him. Walk. There was no walking. And um, he basically was talking to me about how he goes to VR bars because he hasn't been able to hang out with anyone. Exactly. Didn't know he that was a thing. Your face if you're just listening. But um, a VR bar is where you can go. And 
like clink glasses with someone and get to know it's almost like a chat roulette like different people will show up at the bar and you can talk to them some will be you know uh not some will be gross like some of the stories he was telling me i was like oh god but like you can swipe on whatever i don't know how it all works but you can go to vr bars to hang out with people because he he just graduated college and the last semester you know his friends couldn't see each other it is a really weird dynamic for a time that's typically one of our most social you know Mm -hmm. and so that's how he was keeping himself from being really really bored wow all of these like video games and virtual worlds. And I'm just like, wow, we are, it, these are, these are weird times. They're weird, weird times. I know you were talking about family planning and having a kid at some point. We're in that stage too. We're in our, our fertility testing and whatnot. And I, what a weird time to be thinking about bringing a child into this world. I'm like, is this really what I'm bringing them into? That's scary. And I'm sure that every generation probably has some semblance of that, you know, because there's always fucked up shit happening. But this just feels so odd to knowingly because we have to like go and have a procedure in order to have a child. We can't accidentally get pregnant. So it's like we're making a very conscious decision to like implant this embryo and bring a child into a world that is so berserk. I don't know. How do you feel about it? I, I have mixed feelings. I think to your point, there's always something, right? And I think that's almost like our maternal instincts kicking in. It's like, well, before they're even here, I want to perfect protect them from all the crazy. And it just seems like everything's getting crazier, but that might just be our heightened alert. I think the other part is I I have to believe the world has always been pretty crazy. We just couldn't see it. Yes. As and I don't even think it's necessarily crazier. I think that media and clickbait and fear-mongering and weaponizing the internet makes it feel worse than it might be. Like I would like to, I think I said this before we started recording. Fuck off onto, you know, a lot of acres somewhere remote in Texas and throw my kids outside to play with salamanders and build forts. I was very fortunate in my upbringing in the woods of North Carolina to do a lot of that. And I think it is absolutely directly correlated with my creativity and, and also being an only child. It's like, if I didn't have, you know, pretend friends, didn't have friends to hang out with for a lot of the day. I mean, obviously I went to YMCA programs and had a lot of friends, but for the most part, like I was getting home on that bus and I was by myself until 9 PM because my mom was a single working mom and she was trying to provide for us. So let myself in, fed the dogs, did my homework, watched my two, um, Saved by the bells, and then you know, just <laughs> got myself busy playing in the playing outside. And I actually love that. And I, I think that that's almost like our best saving grace opportunity for kids is just to give them tactile out in nature experiences. And that's not always easy to find in big metropolis cities. So mm-hmm. that. That's why I'm so interested in having that 
I also want the quality time with my family. Yeah. I told you my mom worked till 9, 9 PM, like all the time, it, even to this day, if I call my mom, it's like an answer to say, I'm busy. I'm writing a contract. I'll call you back. Her priority has always been work. Maybe it had to be at one time, but you know, she's older and she hasn't really reconsidered that identity. Mm-hmm. And I kind of find that appalling. I'm like, I'm not saying I'm the most special person, but I am your only daughter. Could we do like a five minute break? And then you go back to the contract <laughs> instead of the daughter, but whatever, those are her choices. But I, I think there's a lot of opportunity to give kids a beautiful relationship with nature and small, more localized community. And I think almost that's the bigger conversation here. Like COVID, in my opinion, is not a one and done. I think we'll see more pandemics. I think that we thought, oh, you know, the world is global and that means everything's better. No, like that doesn't make everything better. That just makes things spread faster, (laughs) like bad news Mm -hmm. and diseases. And I I think that will continue to happen. And so I just want to try and create a space for my family and my community that's more localized. Well, and I think to your point about more pandemics, they're going to, they see how much they were able to control us in this. I can't imagine that this is a one and done because of that. hundred percent. Like, oh, look at how quickly they all crumbled and we were able to tell them what to do and they listened. And here we are. And I feel like that. Fully did they listen, but they were our squawk boxes for us. Yes. I really, there have been a number of things I've seen that are so shocking from my own friend groups, um, where it's like they're picking up someone's political agenda without even really recognizing that. It it, kind of goes back to our whole starting point, self-responsibility. And to me, to be a self-responsible citizen in the world, you can't take what other people say, especially the media, as fact. Like you need to do your own inquisitive curiosity questioning of what's happening. And I almost feel like even our school systems follow the leader style. Everyone shut up and take your standardized test does not allow for that ability. So I'm sitting here being like, I think like building forts by myself and coming up with, um, you know, I would like make all these really intense, uh, what is it called when you have to try out for something like tryouts to be in my fake fort club with all my fake. Oh my fort God. People. I love you. I'm, I was such a nut, but, but I, you know, when you're an only child, you have to get creative. My mom would always get home exhausted. And I'd be like, mom, play with me. And she'd be like, I'm going to read. And, and, and then that made me hate books. Cause I was like, books are taking my mom away from mm. me. Not good books, like telenovela shit. Yeah. But, Anyways, she would always be like, why do you think we have the dogs? Go play with the dogs. And I'm like, I love the dogs, but like I already played with them for four hours and they don't got opposable thumbs. They can't play any of these board games you can play. So I used to have to play board games by myself and I got really good at it. I would literally be like a a whole Monopoly game. It got to the point where I didn't have to turn the board. Wow. And I always played as fairly as I could for each player. So precious. I know I love you. I love little baby you. It's so cute. Okay. I want to talk about, um, well, I want to really talk about two things. This idea of identity has been really coming up for me. And it was one of my aha moments I had this weekend too around, um, cause you and I have talked a lot about our experiences with our parents. We have very like similar experiences. 
And there's an idea around false self-concepts and when your identity is like shattered and everything falls apart, um, the real you or the true you or the, the most true version of you will be revealed to you. You don't go out and seek it and find it and all these things we think we're supposed to do. It will be revealed to you, but it requires everything kind of falling apart. All the identities you thought you had. And for me, that came along with my parents, my mom dying and not having a relationship with my dad allowed me to crumble my identities um, as well as the sexuality piece so that I could allow myself to be revealed. And what I noticed this weekend was that now that I don't have parents to have that codependence with and wrap my identity around, I've been wrapping my identity around Connor and not even realizing it. And so what I saw this weekend was that I only see myself through him. And so without him, I don't know who I am. It's like he gave me access to plant medicine and sexual, sexual experiences and opening. And uh, so my personal development has been with him for two years. And so for me, it feels like I wrapped my identity in him, through him, around him so that I had another thing to hold on to because I don't even trust myself enough to be who I am on my own. It's like I, I have this constant need to wrap myself around someone else in order to know me. And I was like, oh, fuck, I got to unravel this shit. Um, <laughs> but I'm curious for you, within your identity, through your parents and knowing yourself through their lens and now as a grown woman, what that experience has been like. I mean, it's the same thing yours. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I had a bad situation with my mom over Thanksgiving that finally prompted me to go get a therapist. And what I do think is a little comical about that is I was like, mom issue, find therapist to solve mom issue. Like it was like <laughs> one and done. Yeah. And first of all, she's great. Cause she's like, we're not here to solve your mom. We don't have control over her. We're here to work on you and how you react to that and your codependency issues and blah, blah, blah. So open up a whole can of worms there. It's been great. But as you were telling your story, I can't sit here and say I'm not codependent with my husband because he is the he is the most healthy, loving. He is like the parents almost I wish I had that like is proud of me constantly, is so reassuring. He is safe. He is base. He is like the most wonderful and makes me feel so special in the way that I wish my parents had made me feel. To this day, I have resented them because I'm like, I'm a pretty, you know, high functioning, value adding societal member. And you two could kind of give a shit. You'd rather give me strife than like some kudos once in a while. Um, but they're also not really capable of even seeing that. And I have right here, I'm looking at a sticky note that says, I am proud of the woman I'm becoming. I acknowledge me and that's enough. Mm. And that's because I, I've constantly tried to build something and be successful to get my parents's, my parents' attention. And it hasn't worked. This is actually kind of funny, but I was talking to my dad the other day. We don't talk very often, but I called him and he was like, so how's your money laundering business? And oh my I gosh. cackled. I mean, 
it, it was almost like if I wasn't me and so comfortable in being me, I would just be like, here we go again. Like you literally don't understand what I do, care what I do. And you think that's funny, but I took it the opposite way. I was just like, that's kind of hilarious. You're limited. It's a good joke. It's a good joke. Um, wow. Cause at least you've got the industry, right. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, all of that to say, I don't know if I've had the shattering yet because I, I definitely see I've moved over the codependency from my mom. It was never with my dad because I didn't grow up with my dad, but I'm very intertwined with my mom. To Jake, I constantly worry about his death. It is my biggest fear. The kind that as soon as I say it, I'm like, don't say that out loud. Don't think that extra mm. because you'll make that happen somehow. You know, like it's just, it's scary because I know kind of some of the universal laws. Um, and that's not something I want to put out into the world, but it is my deepest fear because I, I almost feel like I couldn't possibly find someone to love me that much or that well again. And that's a terrible way to feel, you know, that you, I don't know if you believe this. I don't personally believe that there's one person for everyone. I think that we could definitely be with a lot of different partners, um, especially because partners, it's almost like pheromones, right? Like yeah. they link it better in certain way. It, so it's the same thing. Like you're going to get used to each other and you're going to change and, and there'll be a, a, a shifting or a metamorphosis to where it works or it doesn't. And you go your own way, but I don't want anything to shatter to have to, to deal with my shit. I, feel I, don't that. Have, I don't have an answer for you. I, I will say when you, when you talked about identities, I, I think about identity a lot. And a quote that I really like, but I don't remember who says it is um, strong beliefs, loosely held better than having a direct identity. I am insert political organization. I am insert, you know, career title. Cause like, if you identify as just those things, it's too hard to be anything outside of that. So I'm not really a fan of having to like clear of an identity. It's like, no, I have values. I have belief systems, but I'm also willing to sit across from people who have different beliefs. And in fact, I encourage it. I'm like, when did we lose the ability to sit in a room with people who disagree with us? It's almost comical to me now that everyone's like diversity and inclusion and that's what it's all about and it's like what about diversity of thought because I don't see anyone in your friend group that's not homogenous and if I bring up something that triggers you you're gonna slam me and maybe slander me instead of like hear hear me that's what I think we've we've really lost and is and is so sad people are so intense on an identity that if you have one that is different than them it is considered opposing instead of just different. And you're not allowed to change your mind. I'm not allowed to believe something today and then learn something and be like, actually, you know what? Like, this is what I think now. And this is what I feel now. It's like, no, you have to be here. I see this with Connor all the time. Like he has people come at him constantly because he calls, you know, his show is called Politically Homeless. That is who he serves as people that are in the middle where you take beliefs here, you take beliefs here and you, it's like a hodgepodge of stuff and people will come at him like, no, you can't do that. You have to take a side. And I'm like, well, of course you believe you have to take a side because that is what the society and government and these higher powers want you to believe. 
because then that allows them to control you. Cause if you're somewhere in the middle, you're not as controllable. And so it's like, okay, so now we've all just created echo chambers for ourselves where we just hear the same thing over and over. It confirms our own beliefs. We don't have anyone opposing us. And we really think that we think that we're in control because of that. And actually it's the opposite. You've given all your power away. I, I think we need to rewind and replay those last 30 seconds. Yeah. Just so it really sinks in. Cause I think you said it very eloquently. I, I think it's not sexy to be in the middle, right? That's why we don't have candidates that represent in the middle, which I, I would say a lot of us actually skew. Like there's something over here from this ideology and there's something over here um, that, you know, socially is important to me or, or whatever it is. And everyone wants you to pick a side. Why? I yeah. think people should ask them that question. Like when something triggers you, why? Feel it back. Like Simon Sinek, what is your why? Why that? Why that? Until you're like, oh, here we go. Here's like the core of the tree that is me and why I want to live life the way I do. I think too many people, to your point, give up their power so easily. They jump into a career. They go through the motions. They wake up 20 years later and are kind of like, oh, I didn't really choose any of that. And so knowing a lot of people who've had that experience and we've all heard that, like that's a big theme in America, the rat race, you know, the like work your ass off and then turn around and have nothing to show for it and be really miserable. Well, if that's something that we hear a lot, then we should look at our own lives and make sure that we are not on that hamster wheel. And by doing that is when you're going to cultivate this growth mindset that we're talking about, where you're going to have to say, oh, maybe I'm not right about everything. Or maybe I misstepped in some places and maybe I'm going to make a change and changes are scary, but I'm going to continue to feel fear and move in this direction anyways, because it's different than what I expected. And that's okay. So I was listening to uh, Alexa's podcast yesterday, That Sex Chick, and she uh, it was the one, the episode what? she had Bryn on. Oh, I didn't listen to that one yet. You got, oh my God, girl, it was everything. I had all my aha moments while I was listening to it at the dog park. I'm like, this is amazing. But anyways, they were talking about you. And oh. um, yeah, and Alexa literally said, oh my God, I'm opening my um, checking account right now and <laughs> checking what's going on because they were both talking about how we go through our lives, especially as women, and we don't know how to manage money. We don't take responsibility for it. We give our power away to men to handle it for us. And oftentimes it's old white men. And um, there's just this really interesting dynamic when you start to look at your own finances as a woman and take responsibility for maybe be, maybe the shithole that you've created for yourself and say, okay, what else is possible? I'm ready to really look at this. And I, I believe that sex, money, relationships, all of it is just a direct reflection of what's happening internally. So if you're having a chaotic internal experience, well, how are your finances probably reflecting that? So it's, it's a much deeper core issue, which is why I love you because you're willing to go there and you understand, especially, you know, if you read that book, happy pocket full of money, it very clearly speaks to, it's not about the money. It's about the energetics and the larger conversation around it. 
And when I met you, I just loved your mission for wanting women to create more abundance and wealth in their life. And you're not afraid to say that and to create a dynamic and an environment where this is possible to be really honest and not have shame around mistakes you've made or just, you know, lack of awareness or ignorance around finances. Um, so I would love for you to share your, your perspective on how, when we really look at our finances and we take responsibility for it, how that can shift our lives and having the power within ourselves. In all the ways I I've been in the financial shit. <laughs> I spent my twenties and, and this might be another dynamic of, of being a woman, but, but I guess this is just general for people, right? Like we want to have it look like we've got it all going on on the outside. And if we can have a career trajectory and a good LinkedIn title and a, you know, whatever else might be important to us, we feel like, okay, well, at least the outside thinks I'm looking okay. But everything we're talking about, sex, money, relationships, that's all something that's quite personal, you know, like the outside world's never going to know how you have sex. I mean, unless you have a podcast and you're talking about it, mm -hmm. but otherwise, but like still, they're not really going to know. They're also not going to know what's in my investment portfolio other than like pieces that I share. Like, it's just, it's too dynamic of a category even for someone to fully reveal like, and, and the other point relationships, like how could you ever know how someone is fully in their relationship? So when it comes to figuring out your financial life, I think a lot of people um, have to deal with that initial shock of like, wow, there's a lot of emotions tied to this. Why? <laughs> it's an inanimate object. Money is a value exchange. Like it is. We place the emotional layer on top of it. And that's again, gonna come right back from like, how did our family talk about it? What were our, what was our experiences with it? Were they positive or negative? We have a, um, so Factoria is my company. Our mission is 1 million women to 1 million in net worth. And we have a course and community called the Wealth Circle where women basically take a master's degree on wealth building, but it's the beginning of the marathon because you're going to have a lot of light bulb moments, but now you have to go do things and it takes time to get your money working for you and to growing it and to cultivating those muscles, especially if you haven't made a lot of financial changes or discoveries or competent investment decisions for yourself in the past. So um, it's a journey <laughs> and it really is like, when is wealth building done? Right. Yeah. Like, especially if you want to leave a legacy or even if you don't, but you want to donate what you've built in your life to causes you care about or work on them while you're here. Like you have to keep building the money to do it. And I think that's really beautiful. And that's why I'm in general trying to change the conversation from money is bad. Money is taboo. Money is gluttonous, greedy, whatever, all the, all the bad versions of money. And it's like, no, maybe the person who has it is behaving that way, but you don't have to, you can choose. I also lost the beginning of the question. Uh, no, I was just talking about how when you take responsibility for your finances, how that like gives you your power back in all areas of your life. Yeah. So first it starts out as like a painful, emotional growth experience as all good things typically do. But I think once women actually start cultivating the ability to make changes and conversate 
about money and these topics that they haven't before, it immediately grows confidence. Like open one account, make some selections, open another account, set up automations, choose a system that works for you. At first, I feel like during the wealth circle, the first half of it is always women kind of looking for a recipe. Like, yes, yes, yes. I know you want me to learn all this stuff, but also what is the path of least resistance? And I'm like, no, no, no. Because we have such different goals that like copying someone else's version is not going to be specific to your skill sets, your interests, your life stage, the amount of money you're starting with, the amount of debt you're starting with, like whatever your experience is, is going to be different and whatever direction and like ultimate goal you have is going to be different. So like, sorry, I know mm-hmm. everyone wants like an easy approach, but fundamentals are the fundamentals. You have to learn them and then apply them in the right way for you. Once you start doing it, holy shit. I see women just take like weight off their shoulders. Like, oh, why was I ignoring this for so long? And then maybe there might be that moment of regret, like, fuck, if I had done this 10 years ago, I have felt that, trust me. But now I'm like, I didn't. (laughs) So like, here we are. Mm -hmm. And that's it. Like, you know, what's, what's done is done again in the happy pockets version, like meet yourself where you are, use your present moment to reflect on how you can make a different decision for tomorrow. And when women start to relieve this tension and fear and crazy belief that they're not as capable with money as someone else might be, which I, I, I'm not exactly sure why it's so prevalent, but I know it's just got to be from like historical societal stuff like baggage we can't even see. Then it's just like, oh, this is kind of fun. This is actually a topic that I used to hate and now I'm intrigued by. I I, I feel like Factora creates money monsters in the best possible way. It's like, <laughs> no, I don't want to deal with this. Wait, I fucking love this. Let's mm-hmm. do it all. And then sometimes I'm like, wait, wait, wait. We don't have to invest in everything all at once. Like we've got a whole lifetime. We can, you know, spend this year really understanding our paper assets, and then maybe saving up to get into real estate investing or or whatever ends up being your cup of tea from learning. Mm -hmm. But I also think the, the like cherry on top is the community element because guys are so used to talking about this stuff. Like I feel like I'm never not with my husband and his guy friends. And they're talking about investing in a company or Uh, And like literally a startup, like a very risky investment or opening up their Robin hood and being like, yo, you got to throw 300 bucks in this because I saw great returns last week. And I'm not going to bore you with the stats, but basically individual stock picking, day trading type stuff. You know what the guys are never going to go back and look at all the fees that they got charged for going in and out of stuff. Women is that it's actually proven we're better investors because we are more long term. We, we, we're like, once we do it, we set up our strategy. We're not listening to all the financial pundits and the fear mongering that the market's going down and everything's going to crash and like blah, 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 blah. And that's why I'm actually teaching the fundamentals. Like, oh, if you understand the mechanics of the stock market from when it started till now and how it has been an essential wealth building tool and why it's used for your 401k, because it's a long-term growth strategy. And, and actually, if you want to peel that back a layer, why do you think companies want to have a 401k for you and actually, you know, do a match because they want you to stay there for a long time. They don't want you to think about wealth building on your own because then you might not do your job. Mm. You might leave your career if you're like, 
oh, actually I could grow wealth faster. This is like one of the safest mechanisms to grow wealth. That is why everyone use it, uses it for their retirement accounts. But yes, there are way many other ways to grow wealth and probably faster. Obviously, higher reward comes correlated with higher risk, but that's not the point. Like you're not going to get comfortable doing any of this if you're not talking about it. So if you don't have community about it, if you don't have knowledge about it, if you don't feel like you can contribute to those conversations because you haven't been educated on it. And I get why women haven't been educated on it. Like when I went on my own personal financial journey, it's shitty to sit on Investopedia after a full day's work and be like, I got to learn this investing stuff. Okay. Asset allocation. What the fuck do you mean? And you're listening to literally old white guys in terrible ties. And you're just trying to be like, okay, just get, just push through, just push through. It's like, no, like literally every ounce of my fiber is being like, I don't want to do this. This is so confusing. It's terrible. And so we, we literally, we Factora took the best of what's out there in terms of strong financial principles, investment fundamentals, and the asset classes that you can use to build wealth. And we put them into beautiful design, laid them out in a way where it all speaks to each other. And you start to build this picture. And we start from like, what is your financial picture? Like literally, what does it consist of? How do you understand your net worth? How do you understand liabilities versus assets? And a lot of us live in this like cash in, cash out mentality. How do you get out of that? So you're not um, spending money before you have it. Mm-hmm. That's kind of our Western culture. We we totally incentivize that. That's why credit cards exist. That's why like all the systems are there. Like, why do you think Instagram's algorithm is so fucking good? Because they want you one click purchase before you think about investing for your future. Buy this thing that you'll get tomorrow that will make you feel so instantaneously great for a minute. And then you're still going to have all the stress and weight of, I'm not really handling my finances. I don't understand them. I don't know how it's going to get better. And so a lot of women give up that responsibility to their partners, which scares me even fucking more. The reason I started this company is because I thought, wow, I don't know my financial shit and I want to have a family and create a business. I didn't even know it was going to be this one. I just knew I was entrepreneurial and really wanted to have say over my time. I didn't want a boss. I've never worked well with bosses, um, like ever. And so I knew I wanted to be my own boss, but having your finances in control allows you to make those decisions because you understand what's viable. Mm -hmm. Otherwise you're just like, I'm making a paycheck. I'm working really hard for it. And it's gone before I know what to do with it. And then there's just additional stress from not really paying attention. Oh, I got my train of thought back. And when I started this, I thought, wow, this is going to be so good because I I have learned a lot and I'm going to continue learning and building my wealth. And so many women, especially my friends are going to come in and be like, yes, let's be educated on this stuff. Let's be empowered women. Do you know, so many of them are truly happy, have their husband's financial advisor, make all the investment decisions for their family. They don't feel like they need to understand them or be apprised enough of the situation to ask particular questions and be clear on fee structures. They're okay to just disassociate from that part 
of their life. Scares the shit out of me because not all of them are staying married, like stats are stats, Mm -hmm. but it's what it is. And so there are plenty more women who want to understand this stuff and they do. And that's what Factor is. It's a safe space for women to come and understand their financial life and fucking build real wealth, legacy wealth. So important. I love that you're doing this. I, um, I have this amazing financial advisor and I love him so much. And I love him because I can ask him anything and he never makes me feel dumb. And I feel like that is what you've created. He's like, Kelly, why would you know this? Like, it's okay. Let me explain this to you. And I, I mean, the things I ask him, I feel like are probably super trivial for people who know anything about money, but I just never knew I was never raised to understand it. And so we like started at square one and understanding and every month I get like a breakdown and we have calls. And I even called him because Connor wanted to invest in Bitcoin. So I had like an hour long conversation with Ryan about Bitcoin and like, what are his thoughts and all these different things. And I've learned so much and I feel so much more in control and in power with my finances and even understanding what's going on in the world. And to your point about it's not about the actual money. It's just this energetic exchange. Connor and I talk about that a lot. He's like, it's not like there. That's the thing that people don't realize. It's not there. It's this like energy that's there. And we are the ones that give it its value and decide. It's like how gold isn't really what it was before. It's because we like change what has value. Right. And for me, that has been so important and so powerful, especially in being a, a new business and starting Soulfire a little over a year ago, we have a bookkeeper. That makes you have really uncomfortable conversations because you have to understand expenses and what's coming in. And there's always more than you realize uh, in terms of expenses and people you're paying and all these things. And unless you are looking at it and being really honest about what's coming in, what's going out, where you're emotionally spending, where you can cut back, where you can be more honest with yourself, it is going to be a shit show. Like that's just period, end of story. And so I love that I have a financial advisor. I have a bookkeeper. I'm able to have these conversations. I see everything on paper written out. I can see what I'm doing rather than just feel like, oh, it's fine. It's like, whatever. That credit card is rising, but it's fine. It'll figure itself out. So I love what you've created because I think community, transparency, radical honesty, and a willingness to really look at what's happening and have that support system and be willing to ask difficult questions that get you out of your comfort zone. But at the end of the day, long-term are so beneficial in so many ways. Like I am fucking here for it. I love it. Thank you. I love that you have a great financial advisor that you can ask any question to and don't feel stupid because I have heard the gamut Mm -hmm. and that is the, um, the 1%. Yep. True. I, 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 I just, I can't even express how many women are like, I just feel stupid when I ask a question. So I've stopped asking them and I'm like, you can't, you gotta like, Swallow the feeling and keep asking because if this person isn't going to tell you everything that you need to know about your money, then it's not the right person. But that is unfortunately a lot of how the financial industry works. You know, there are people who are ready to um, wear the expert cap, even though, you know, 
I think about this all the time. I'm like, why should I be with a financial advisor who doesn't show me their portfolio? If I'm seeing, if you're seeing mine, show me yours. Damn. I think about that all the time. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I literally share my net worth. I share my asset breakdown, my liabilities with all these women. Show me a financial advisor who does that. That would be some radical shit. Yeah, it would. That's so powerful. Um. I could just talk to you for days and days. I love you so much. I'm so glad that I met you on New Year's Eve. You were a highlight of my evening for sure. And I'm just so glad you're in my life. You were my New Year's Eve gift. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for having me on. This was so fun. I, I love our conversations and how soul connected I feel to you. Me too, babe. Oh, you're the best. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to The Kelly Show. If you would like even more exclusive content, conversations with me, the ability to connect with women in a really sacred space to continue to challenge yourself, to create space for yourself and come back home to your truth and your knowing, I would love, love, love to have you inside the Onyx, the incredible space that I created for women like you who want more and who are ready to lean in to all of it. You can go to patreon.com slash the Kelly show. The link is in the show notes and I cannot wait to see you in there and hold that space for your growth. See you soon.